The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, y'all. It's a special edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show. We do these conversations from time to time that are, well, all scripted from A to Z. No, absolutely not. We never script these shows. And I uh, just have uh, wonderful fo- folks that I've met over this lifetime. And one of those, uh, what I call a national and international treasure, uh, is uh, G. Edward Griffin. You you guys know of his books, of course, The Creature from Jekyll Island, A World Without Cancer. It's so much more. And The Red Pill University and The Red Pill Expo. And it's an extraordinary thing to meet some of the people that you consider heroes or heroic in this lifetime and then eventually be able to call them friend. And uh, G. Edward Griffin is is a man, a a great heart, great mind, great spirit, and really on a mission and still, despite all odds and all obstacles, still here doing extraordinary work. And we've got a special hour with him and we'll have some special guests, surprise guests we'll bring in as we move forward here on the Robert Scott Bell Show this very day. G. Edward Griffin. Welcome back to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Well, thank you. Thank you, Robert. Your your introduction is so great. Can I record that and use that again? Anytime you want. I'll play it, er, play it every morning when I get up, all right? All, you know what? So many of my friends, including my mom, just love you so dearly and oh. are so appreciative of you. And of course, mom was born in 1934, 89 now, and she's She's amazing. She's doing a lot of stuff. And we'll we'll probably talk about the, the Folium PX because it's helped her get back on the dance floor at 89 years of age. So right. uh, I appreciate those that support us and you to be here to fulfill this mission while we have the option and opportunity to do so. Well, thank you. If I were on the dance floor today, I, I wouldn't be dancing. I'd be horizontal, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, there was a, a song about that, but I won't even mention it at the moment. Probably uh, about me. Oh my gosh. Well, here we go. Uh, redpilluniversity.org is the website. It's linked up in the show notes at robertscatbell.com. We've had links up, of course, to the Red Pill Expo ever since the last one until we finally found out it's coming again, Des Moines, Iowa, August 12th and 13th of this very year, calendar year 2023. If you're listening or watching live or even later, if it's still prior to that, you have an opportunity to come and join us there and or watch it live uh, online. And, uh, Ed is, I don't know. He lives dangerously. He's asked me to MC again. I don't know how this is happening, but maybe somebody slipped you some, I don't know. But anyway, Ed, thank you for having me at the event every time. I love it so much. Well, it's a pleasure, Robert. And we, we asked you back for a good reason. You are, you do a great job and everybody compliments us for having you there. So it's self-interest. Well, you know, I try to annoy people, but somehow I just, uh, I got to get better at that. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, in talk media and talk radio, it's kind of a, there's, there's always somebody that's going to be offended. And I recognize that I try not to take it personally, but honestly, you know, my journey to health in my own life, Ed is, is, is made me very compassionate for people that don't know what I know. Cause I remember I didn't know the stuff I know a while back either. And so why would I condemn anybody that doesn't know it? I try to encourage them to come on over, check out what we got. And of course, Red Pill University is a big part of that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that because I agree with you on both of those points, obviously. The Red Pill University, I have to agree with it because it's my baby. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but the other side is not, I mean, the idea that, uh, oh, but for the grace of God, there go I, is it something I think about almost every day. I could be so 
in such bad shape or not even be here at all is more likely if it hadn't been for events and role models that I've run into and information I've stumbled across. Not my merit at all. It's just lucky. So I thank my stars every day for all of that. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, having seen what you've seen in your lifetime, of course, we have some of it on video going back to the 50s and the 60s and the 20th century. It's just stunning what you were able to uncover and present on. And I know that Mickey Willis presented some of the, the footage in, in one of his uh, previews for, I don't know if it's going to be the pandemic three or, or what's the awake, the great awakening, something that's coming up as well. Uh, but it's astounding as, as long as I've been here, I feel like I'm still a baby compared to what you've seen. <laughs> well, I guess that's probably about true. I mean, you were a baby uh, uh, <laughs> when I was doing that kind of stuff or maybe not even here yet. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, the old saying is that, the more it changes, the more it stays the same is uh, quite true because although things are dramatically different today and the pace at which things are changing may be accelerating, the direction in which it's changing is constant and it's, it's right always in the same direction. It's, and that gives us the ability, regardless of our IQ, it gives us the ability to predict into the future pretty accurately because if you follow a straight line, you know, you don't need much intelligence to say, well, gee, I wonder where we're headed. You know, you see where you were, where you are and project the lines. Oops, that's where I'm going. Yeah. So that's that's the main part of wisdom, I suppose, is figuring out how simple things really are after all. Yeah, beautiful. And you, I think about this this word change. OK, there are a lot of people on the planet right now that have been, let's say, deceived. And in fact, I include myself as one of them in, in my younger life where I didn't know a lot that I know today. And I just kind of follow it along with whatever the conventional wisdom, if you can call it wisdom is, or, or the narratives of the day were. And um, I had a, a burning desire to know more. That's what uh, drove me deeper because of my own health issues and challenges from what the year zero to the age of 24, ultimately. But at 18 or 19 years of age, I, I finally got so fed up with being sick and, and got sick and tired of being sick and tired that I began asking questions of the doctors. And when I realized they couldn't answer the questions and the answers that they did give me were to say unsatisfying would be, they were infuriating. You know, sometimes you're just going to have to grow out of it. Maybe. I, I mean, it's just astonishing. I was being drugged and drugged and drugged. And now I know there's no such thing as a drug deficiency disease, but I didn't really think about it then. And, and so it, it caused me to open my eyes and ears and mind and heart to say, is there something else that I'm missing? Is there something more? And I, I don't know if, if you could share, and I know you've done this many times over the years, <clears throat> your, if there was one epiphany or wake up call in your life that got you to start seeing beyond the narratives, even back when nobody knew what a narrative was. <laughs> Well, that's true. That's, uh, I think it's I think it's interesting to know about that journey. Not my journey, but it's it's a journey that everyone takes. Almost yeah. everyone. Uh, we wind up in places that we never dreamed we were headed toward. You know, if we look backwards, that's not where we were headed, and here we are. Uh, what happened to us to make us change our path and move? in some cases, 90 degrees off of what we thought our course was. Well, in my case, it was just a series, as I mentioned a moment ago, a series of what I consider to be acts of good fortune, that's all, stumbling across the right pieces of information that were thrown right in front of me, and I had to be an idiot not to see it, uh, or you know, a good role model instead of a bad one. Fortunately, uh, the culture at the time I was in my formative years was much more 
um, I think, much more positive for the development of strong character because we wanted to be like those role models we were seeing in the movies, you know. And even though they weren't necessarily so authentic, they were still good role models. I think it was Will Durant that said in his uh, 12th volume of the history of the world, the, the 12 volume set that everybody has in their living room, but they never read except to look up something. But in his last book, which was the lessons of history, um, he, he said something that I thought was very interesting about that. He said that we should be, um, we should be, what's the word he used? I don't remember, but we should be uh, not, uh, not condemning mm -hmm. of mankind for having religious re religious uh, beliefs and um, having ideals that he didn't live up to and you know and he said because it's it's nice to have something that you try to reach for at least that pulls you up off the bottom yeah. and if a civilization does not reach the ideals which it professes maybe it gets halfway there which is good because without them we'd still be at the bottom well i kind of feel that way about my personal experience that with good role models uh, maybe I'd go to the movies on Saturdays and for 25 cents, I could see one of those, you know, those trailers where the, there's always the, the, um, the fair maiden is tied to a big saw or tied to the railroad tracks or something. The train is coming down or the saw is getting closer and closer. And, um, you know, J. Roger Wilco shows up in the nick of time. Well, you can't help but know that J. Roger Wilco is, is a cartoon character, really. Although you see a real live actor playing his role, you still relate to that the role of doing something right and saving people and, and defeating the bad guys and so forth. That was part of our culture then. So even though none of us, I'm sure very few of us anyway, live up to the ideals of J. Roger Wilco and, and that sort of thing, still it was an idea that's implanted into the psyche. And uh, for our the rest of our lives, we're trying in some way to be better than we really are. Mm -hmm. I think it's a good, healthy thing. And that's how I explain why I'm not in in the ditch right now because mm. I've tried to live up to ideals that really are quite high. So what does that mean in terms of the actual events of my life? Well, it just means that uh, I was prepared, I think, emotionally and ethically to be receptive to lessons that were put in front of me and I had to choose between right and wrong. Mm. I, I could sense what was the right choice. Now, I'll just give you one example. Um, Prior to 1970, thereabouts, I was pretty much like everybody else in our society today in terms of um, an understanding of health. I was not informed about health. I think I took a bi biology class or something, either in college or high school. I think it was college. And so we dissected frogs and that kind of stuff. But that didn't teach me anything about health it taught me about how the body works and the heart pumps blood and all that kind of stuff. But what kept people healthy was not part of the curriculum. So um, I always thought to myself when I saw a sick person, somebody with a walker or a tube up their nose or something, or, the, or they're really sick, I thought, gee, that's too bad. That person was unlucky. Mm. They got sick because they were unlucky. I, I'm lucky because I'm not sick. And I'm, I'm okay, thank, thank God for that. But if I ever get sick, what will I do? Well, I'll go to the doctor and I'll do whatever the doctor tells me to do. That was my attitude 
then, not now, of course. But that was a part and parcel of the 20th century. I mean, we we started uh, really kind of worshiping an elite, if you will, the medical community. Yes. And parcel to the history of humanity where the, the healers were lay healers. They were herbalists. And even, you know, more in recent history in terms of the last couple hundred years, homeopaths were mainstay in modern uh, America at the time, even the, the you know, during the Civil War. I've, I've referenced this on the Red Pill stage as well, the history we weren't taught mm-hmm. about the natural medicine that was was inherent to everything of the American experience as well, much less, you know, cultures around the world. Right. And there was you know, an abandonment of that. And I'm a product of that, you know, coming onto this plant in the 1960s, raised medically because my parents dutifully took me to the doctor. We got a few shots, not many compared to what they are today, and was on a lot of drugs in my young life, uh, antibiotics, et cetera. So, uh, you know, your journey to health later in your years, uh, younger in my years, because I think there was a, um, a decline, in t- a transgenerational decline because of exposure mm-hmm. in the 20th century. I was a canary in the coal mine that led me to to my journey waking up earlier, as you said, you know, later in your life, suddenly realizing maybe there's something else to do to care for this body. Well, right. And the thing that you asked about the event or the what caused that to happen, mm-hmm. it was my accidental uh, association with and becoming friends with a, a brilliant a young doctor. His name was John Richardson, and he had a practice in the San Francisco area. It was ear ear, eye, nose, and throat guy, had a wonderful practice. Patients loved him. Just a regular doctor, hardworking, very successful. And um, we were, we became friends. And he, I was not his patient. It was, it was socially, and uh, we had similar interests in the political and economic affairs. And we crossed paths and became friends. Well, one day he approached me. He said, Ed, I, I'm a doctor. I, I take care of sick people. And you're a writer. You write things. And I would like you to write an article for me because I don't know how to write. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, well, that's, I'm glad we have something in common. We don't know how to do something because I don't know how to take care of sick people either. So he said, well, I said, what do you want me to write? He said, well, I want you to write a, a magazine article or a newspaper article or something that we could publish to answer my critics. I said, well, you have critics? And he said, yeah. He said, they're trying to take my license away if I don't stop using a treatment for cancer that works. Mm-hmm. I said, you got to be kidding. And you said it works? Oh, yeah. He said, it works really well. It works better than anything that I've ever tried before and better than any of my colleagues are getting better results. I said, well, why wouldn't they want you to use it? He said, well, that's the good question. He says, I think the money, the money is involved somewhere. But he said, they don't want me to use it because it's not approved. Well, what do you mean approved? Who cares whether it's approved or not? Does it work is the main thing. He said, no, it's not the main thing. The main thing is, is it approved? And uh, so I didn't know any of that. So that was my first little, you know, little lesson there. That didn't sound right. I said, who are they, John? I remember they, who are, who would they, who would keep you from saving lives? Who are they? I didn't understand that. It didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, sure, but I'll do what I can. So that was my opening. I thought there would be, be a, a, maybe about a, a, a one-week project, okay? Yeah, yeah. Let him tell me what's going on. I do a little research, write the article, and say, there, now let's go. Well, it was the beginning of a seven-year project, or, or a five-year project in this case. It was seven years for the creature from Jekyll Island, but mm-hmm. I think it was about five years for the, for the Laetrile story. So I, I, I said, sure, I'll take it on. And if it hadn't been for that yeah. and my discovery of the corruption that is in the 
the pharmaceutical industry, let's call it what it is, mm -hmm. which has taken over and dominated Western medicine around the world. And uh, when I found out that this was all done by design by a group of people at the highest financial levels, like the Rockefellers, mm -hmm. who began to fund the transformation of the medical universities in order to take to convert all of the different schools of medicine to get rid of the ones that didn't cooperate and to f reward the ones that did cooperate, financially reward them. Yeah. And by cooperate, I mean, would teach their students that drugs are the answer for everything. Mm -hmm. I didn't know any of that. If somebody had told me that, I would have laughed. I said, you gotta be kidding. These doctors are, they're not that stupid. They wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I use that as an, you asked me examples. Well, there's, yeah. there's a great one because if it hadn't been for my, accidental association and friendship with Dr. Richardson and his getting into trouble with the AMA and the California Medical Association too, mm -hmm. for saving lives instead of letting them die. Yes. Um, if it hadn't been for that, I would probably be dead by now because I've had some serious medical traumas in my life that had I, I believe that had I used traditional Western medicine uh, therapies, I probably wouldn't have made it. Yeah. Well, and that's, again, my journey uh, parallels that. Of course, eventually discovering your books, uh, you know, World Without Cancer, as well as uh, The Creature from Jekyll Island, because as I, and we've talked off the air about this, as I began asking questions about my health, I asked questions about everything else that I, I've, I said, could it be possible that as much as I was lied to about health and medicine, that there are other aspects of our lives, my life, that I was deceived as well. And that just opened up the proverbial can of worms and led me to, see all the things that I saw and go, I've got to live differently because I have a principled stance on these issues. I don't like to lie to people. I don't like to be lied to. And, and so I, I changed my life in a different way that didn't make my life easier, but I don't think I was promised an easy life. I don't think anybody, any of us were, I mean, it's nice to have some times where we can rest a little bit, but you know, if you're a mission oriented person on this planet, you, you say, well, why am I here? These are the big questions. And uh, I, uh, I, you know, I see you and what you've dedicated your life to do. It's really ultimately uplifted people because you, you, you broke through a lot of the illusions. And then eventually now we see red pill university, the red pill expo, the proverbial red pill, that concept came about from the matrix movie in 1999. Of course, this idea that you could take it, disrupt whatever signal was coming in that programmed you to a narrative that was artificial and, and, and fully illusory and started seeing life as it really is, as opposed to how we believed it was before. And so, it, it, you know, this parallel journey we're on, we came onto the planet at different times and then we find other people that are committed to this as well. And they become our deepest friends and they almost become adopted family members. And even more so in the COVID crazy few years we've been through, there's been a lot more shakeup uh, of those that still had that narrative belief system. And now it had to become very uncomfortable for a lot of doctors and nurses, for instance, to go, oh my gosh. Uh, you know, the COVID shot is bad, but maybe I should look back at all of them. And and so a lot of the narratives are unraveling right now. You've been at the forefront for a long time. I've been at, at, attempting to bring that to, to light. And I, I talk about the word change as well. It's like if we changed in our life, how would I condemn somebody else to not possibly be able to change right now, all these years later? And I see some people that will hold on to that if they're you know, they're bad right now. They're evil right now. They'll never change. And it's true. Some people don't change. They take it to their grave. But there are a lot of people that are transforming their belief systems because of not only the work that you've done, but many of our friends have done and the Red Pill Expo and Red Pill University. So I wanted to open, open up with that and say, you've probably seen a lot more people than I have in your lifetime that have actually changed, even though they were completely on the other side of the narrative before. 
Oh, yes. My, my life is filled with those wonderful people. And some of them have made huge changes. I, th I think uh, about that one video I did years ago with an interview of Yuri Bezmenov, who was a KGB agent from the Soviet Union. You talk about a change. I mean, he was born into the communist party. Literally, his father was a highly respected Soviet general. They lived the life of Riley. They, you talk about a classless society that communism is supposed to be. No, it was a very class society. And they were in the upper class. You know, if you're, if you're a high-ranking uh, official in the Communist Party or the military, you don't, need, uh, you don't need a lot of money. You just give commands and you get everything you want and that's done. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, you, he made a huge change. He risked his life to get out of that that uh, ad, advantageous position because he couldn't stand what it was doing to his conscience and what it was doing to other people that he could observe. So he had character, strong character that, that broke through all of that materialist benefit. And I think you, the people that we're gathering around us, uh, Robert, are like that. They, for some, for some definition of the word, they have character, yeah. and it's strong character. They're willing to stand against against the tide, against popular opinion, if necessary, to uh, to defend the truth and to defend justice. Yeah, they hear the call, just like we did in our life. Mm -hmm. We heard we had a call, and 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 we responded to it. And we have a choice, I believe, at any moment to reject it. I think that's the freedom we've been given by that which created us all. But why do we, why do some of us choose to heed that call and say, you know, I want to do better. I want to help others in, in, rather than just focus on myself and, 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 you know, be at the top level of a, you know, the insider of a communist group that, that does just fine while everybody else suffers. We find that um, that kind of injustice is, is something that just to say it rubs us the wrong way might be an understatement, but I also am not delusional. And I know you're not in that we can just, you know, wave of the wand and everything changes. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort. And again, this is why I believe the Red Pill University is so important because it's bringing people in to learn of these things that they didn't learn. And part of that process is, I guess, unlearning if it's possible to unlearn something, uh, but at least see the illusion of it so you can kind of let it go as, as your controlling narrative and say, okay, there's something else at play here and I can tap into it and I'll be better for it, even though it's kind of frightening, kind of scary. And I've had experiences that when I was younger, learning of these things that I was hiding under my covers, not just like a cartoon character, but just like, like that, because I was so afraid with what I was learning as a, could this be real? And then how would we have the courage to come out from under the covers and go, okay, I got to face this reality and not run in fear or hide in fear for the rest of my life and do something about it. Yeah. Well, that's the challenge, isn't it? Of course that would go, uh, that topic can lead to uh, endless discussions as to why are we here? You mentioned that a moment ago. Mm -hmm. And then the next question is, well, what makes us different if in fact we are different? And I think we probably are. I think our commonalities are greater than our differences, mm -hmm. but our differences can be pretty substantial in terms of facing up to a challenge and a threat. This ability to overcome fear is a big thing. Yeah. And some people just can't seem to do it. Um, I have trouble doing it. I have less trouble now. I'm getting used to it. But uh, <laughs> in the we, beginning, it was hard. We yeah. we had some discussions about that because, I, you know, I shared with you how I elected to live a little differently than I was raised, raising my children with no Social Security numbers and no birth certificates mm -hmm. because I felt like that would, you know, be a, a you know, strike against their ability to, to be free, to, you know, be numbered like cattle or beasts in the field. It, it offended me greatly. Now, I've raised my children to say, look, this is the world in which we live. These are the options you have as you come into adulthood to make decisions that are different than, than mine. And 
you know, I'll respect that, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to make a conscious choice about how you would interact with the world that we grew up in. And unconsciously it was just given to us or, or, you know, and so far my son, you know, who you met at one of the red pill expos, uh, he came with me, he's, uh, 23 and he's, he's paid in gold and he continues to live in that autonomous zone and freedom yet interact somehow with this world. And I think that's part is partial to, you know, your story on the, the dawning of the federal reserve and what it led to. Uh, and now we're seeing that unravel very rapidly with a global system, trying to establish central bank, digital currencies that would then lock people in based on their beliefs and behavior to have money that would even work for them, much less locking them down into a 15 minute city. So it's fascinating how the economics of this that you've written about could play out in the enslavement of humanity that believes it's free, but is accepting a much reduced level of freedom that can be defined as a form of slavery. Well, that's it exactly. Who wants to think about these things anyway? You know, they're depressing because it, you don't have to dig too deep and you realize that the, the roots of our prosperity and our security are very shallow. And when you start digging into these issues that, that we're discussing, you realize that, oops, a good, a good rain could come along, a good thunderstorm and or an earthquake or something, and we're through. These roots do not go very deep. And so that's depressing. We don't want to think about that because that means that well, we, better, we better plant better seeds or cultivate the ones we have or something. We had to do something, which is going to be uncomfortable because it's going to take either time or, or money or both or, mm -hmm. well, mostly courage. And I yeah. think you named it correctly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I'm not here to tell people how to live. That's not my intent, but I will share people with people that are interested in learning, you know, if they're interested in different ways to live, if they've come to similar conclusions as we have, that there's an agenda that is not one that is uplifting and freeing, but one mm -hmm. that is capturing and enslaving through fear. And mm -hmm. I think many people through COVID have realized that this is what it ends up as uh, various forms of tyranny. And, our, and as I point out, the fear of germs is one of those things that was most one of our biggest vulnerabilities that came about in COVID. Yeah, fear. Well, fear is the main thing. That's that's the tool. I, I, this is another maybe another two hour discussion coming up here on this topic. But I've discovered and I may talk about this at the expo, by the way, that two of the main most powerful weapons that our enemy has perfected. Fear is one of them. And controlled opposition mm -hmm. is the other, and both of those topics are are deep, yeah. Because they touch upon they touch upon human nature and uh, and our what we want to believe mm -hmm. and what we're afraid of. So anyway, that's right. Well, so let's let's find something positive to talk about. Something like how beautiful the world is, and yes, uh, how many how many opportunities there are because of the things that are happening. That well, encourages me. Yes. And, and in freedom is, is, is that's where we discover it and we co-create it. And mm -hmm. yet um, so much effort is being made to limit our freedom. And I, that should be a clue that, uh, you know, somebody has a, a nefarious a plan if they're not supportive of your freedom to live as you would li want to live. Mm -hmm. And I know that that permeates everything about the Red Pill Expos. It's not about, you know, the only way is this way, but it certainly it, it educates on again, historical uh, narratives that we just believed that others have researched and found, hey, you know, maybe that wasn't accurate or maybe it was done to manipulate us to believe something about how we should live today. And mm -hmm. so those things have become, for me, very practical and pragmatic. And I've learned every Red Pill Expo. And I think I know stuff, but there's a lot more that I don't know. And that's what's exciting about what you bring 
and your team brings when we get together for these expos once, at least once a year, sometimes more than that. But right now, I just want to remind everybody, uh, the next one coming up is Des Moines, Iowa, August 12th and 13th. And that will be uh, um, the Red Pill Expo. And it's just an amazing, amazing opportunity to come together and meet like-minded folks from various backgrounds, sometimes from all over the world coming together and there's a similar goal, and that is to open open your eyes to see the world as it really is, and also as it could be in terms of the positivity, the ability to say, hey, you know what? It can look pretty bad, but we are empowered to do extraordinary things to outcreate that which we accepted before. You know, what you just said is the answer to a question you raised, I believe, a few minutes ago. You said, we sometimes worry a lot about why are we here? And then you just answered it because we have now an opportunity to make a difference in the world. Yeah. from here on out that's why we're here i believe it's our yeah. mission yeah and when you hear this whether it be biblical or otherwise we are made for such a time as these mm-hmm. i don't believe it's an accident that we're all here and that we're all converging and we've made uh you know friendships with people from all over the world that we would have never met in a previous time frame mm-hmm. uh, and there was so so little to experience in the time of you know whether it be the wagon trains of old you know, how long it would take months to travel across country. You know, we still have the ability to travel fast. I, I realize that there m- might be efforts to stop that, like what happened in COVID. But the opportunity to come together, I urge everybody to take the opportunity while we have it in case they try to, to, to stop it or shut it down again. Because when we come together, we see the opposite reality that they're trying to converge on us to have us accept mm-hmm. that the the danger is getting together. The danger is talking to one another. The danger is breathing in each other's vicinity. And obviously that was such a ruse to kind of isolate us in fear. Mm-hmm. And then when we started coming together, even during, or especially during the COVID years, we found out there are a lot of people that are in our sphere that aren't afraid either, but we didn't have a knowledge of them. And suddenly we're like, oh, I don't have to be afraid either. You're not afraid. I'm not And that. So that's for me, that's a big part of why we need to come together and I know that people can watch this thing online and it's great if you can, and we welcome you to do so. But if you would take the effort to be with us in Des Moines, Iowa, you will be richly rewarded by the experiences that sometimes can only happen uniquely by being in the presence of one another. And I urge you to consider that even as difficult as sometimes that can be. Well, that's a very wise observation, I think, Robert, because not only do we have to see each other eyeball to eyeball, but the reason we have to do that is because so we can come to a lasting and deep judgment of each other's character because mm-hmm. without that we cannot bond yeah and it's the bonding of one to the other we become we come of the realization that we are brothers really brothers not just a word that sounds good but we are brothers and that you can't do that on the internet you've got to sit and sit in somebody's living room talking to them play with their kids, pet the dog, see what they eat, see what jokes they laugh at, you know, that kind of thing. And they're doing the same with you, not intentionally, but you get to know somebody at a deep level and you bond. And that's what we need. That's what we need is to bond all of the lovers of freedom together. It'll be a force that is unstoppable. Yeah. Well, and I'm also so appreciative of those who have uh, recognized your mission and have aligned themselves with it to help you in, in the Red Pill University and the Red Pill Expo to be there. And um, there are folks also that have invested them their time and energy and effort to keep you here long mm-hmm. as long as we can, as long as you want to be here. And that is supportive of your health, the health of that physical body. Like with my mom at 89, you know, she's she struggled through, through some things in the last few years as well that she hadn't had before. And, um, you know, we've talked about cardio miracle being an essential part of our daily uh, routine. And now 
um, my friend Bobri and your friend Bobri, who originally came from uh, when Soviet Union controlled Georgia, Tbilisi area, and then eventually escaped and went to Israel, and then came to America and brought this extraordinary folium products, uh, folium PX that has helped my mom to get back on the dance floor and understand help you as well. And I, I acknowledge that because there's a lot of work to be done to counteract the, the, the limits, just like your discussion with John Richardson all those years ago. That hasn't changed in a lot of ways. There are elements of our society and culture and government, et cetera, that try to suppress knowledge of ways to get well and stay well that are outside of a you know, pharmaceutical control mechanism. And so I'm appreciative of those people that have converged to support us and support you as well. Well, that's the team we're building. We like to call it a coalition. And it, there are a lot of differences of opinion and beliefs within that group. But the only thing we allow ourselves to um, get heated up over, so to speak, are the things in which we hold in common, which is our desire for liberty and our opposition to tyranny, our respect for individualism over collectivism. And everybody in the world, regardless of their nationality, their race, their culture, their age, their economic status, regardless of anything, they can agree wholeheartedly on that because there's something in our, us as humans that we have to be free. We long to be free. So that's what we that's what we bond together on. And we try very hard to stay away from any issues, at least while we're together in our mission, stay away from any issues that would divide us potentially. So if anybody wants to argue about our religious views right. or whether you have you're wealthier than I, or you have an opportunity to, to succeed when you were young and I didn't and so forth because I, I'm an Indian or something. I'm, I come from a, a right. Russian a nation or a, a race that has um, none of those things. No, we argue about those things elsewhere. There are plenty of groups, organizations, and movements on those issues. Ours is liberty. Yes. It's liberty. Oh, sweet liberty. Let's unite on that. Yeah. And that is what will, that will drive us to victory. Well, and that's the essence of the, this show that I've been doing since 1999, because that love of freedom, it was just, you know, unquenchable. And, and of course, it drove me to do things. Other people said, you're crazy. I'm like, well, that maybe I'd be, I'm the only sane one in the room right now. I don't more know. Likely. More likely, I would say. Yes. Something's going on here, but I was driven by some other uh, deep level conviction that freedom is a good thing. And, you know, the origin and history of the United States of America, quite profound and unique on the, on the, in the history of government on the planet. And I'm not uh, saying that we've we've lived up to our high ideals for the entire time of its existence, but I know that when we're at the Red Pill Expo, a lot of people are talking about that history and what is good. And, it, and the core of that is that freedom message that we talk about. That's why it's such a welcoming uh, community coming into the Red Pill Expo. You're not going to be excluded. Obviously, if you're, uh, let's say, arguing for tyranny and collectivism, there might be some disagreements there, but you're likely not going to be on the speaking stage promoting something like that. Well, you know, come to think of it, we've often debated the the um, advisability mm -hmm. of inviting somebody to challenge us. Mm -hmm. I, I'm all for debates if they're done in a gentlemanly manner and yeah, cordial and, yeah. and, and intellectual. And yeah, uh, well, I disagree with that point for these reasons. Uh, let's mm -hmm. do it. I'm all for debates. Uh, we would welcome anybody that wants to come up and argue in favor of collectivism, uh, because I think we could uh, we could meet every every uh, argument that comes up easily sure. and smash it to bits. Yes. So now well, if, I, I, if I didn't believe that, I would have yeah. to say I'm a, maybe I'm on the wrong side of this issue. Right. But very often those folks don't want to uh, engage no. in debate, just no. like we've seen about those no. that were promoting uh, a, a faulty so-called mRNA technology vaccine. And when you challenge them on, quote unquote, the science, they said, 
you're anti-science for questioning science. I'm like, Whoa, the basis of science is questioning. Yeah, of course. So couldn't go there. But speaking of science and uh, uh, validation, as well as someone who's lived under communism part of his life, and he, I find that the people that love freedom more than almost everybody in America are people that have lived under collectivism and communism. Uh, our friend Bobri, I think, is here. Let me see if I can bring him in. Hopefully it works. Uh, Bobri Oren, are you here, Bobri? There he is. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. A little bit of a delay, but it's good to see you. I don't know if your ears were burning, but here you are with G. Edward Griffin, who I want to say thank you, Bobby, because I know you are so supportive of Ed and, and his mission and his passion in the Red Pill Expo. And you've also uh, supplied some um, folium for Ed as well that has helped him. And um, again, anything we can do to keep Ed here as long as he wants to be here, I'm grateful for as well. Yes, Bobbery has done that. And by the way, before he starts, I have to say, uh, I have been very supportive of Bobbery's work and his products because I've seen, at least with the Folium PX, I've seen with my own eyes and my own experience that they're very, very effective. So that's all I think I can say is these, his stuff really works. Now, he'll tell you why it works much better than anybody, but uh, I can tell you that it does work. Well, I love, Ed, uh, to hear from the, the cross-section of people that are here to support you that bring great things to us and me and my community and family, including my mother. And again, Bobri, let's see if we can hear you okay. Go ahead. Okay, first of all, thanks for having me. And I did not forget my accent. <laughs> no, you brought it with you. Yes, I have it with me. Okay, so Robert. What is it about uh, Ed and his message that appealed to you coming from former Soviet Union, you know, the occupied territory of Georgia there, and then moving to Israel, eventually coming to America? What was it about Ed that resonates with you? You know, um, the shortest distance in between any two points is a straight line. And his message is very straight, very, very straightforward, very short. And very truth, and that truth brings everybody together. Because um, when you when you have society that you live in, where you cannot open the mouth, in your open mouth you go to prison, and that's we see even now in, in whether it's in China, in North Korea, in even in today's so-called democratic Russia and some other places in Cuba. You know, you appreciate what it has done for for mankind, mm -hmm. for the truth itself, and I appreciate that more than maybe maybe anybody else because, well, no insult, no offense to you Americans born in America, people, but you guys don't know what the hell you have, and you're losing it. We are all losing it. You know, if the communist is coming today, I will survive. I know how to survive. Believe me, I do. What about you? Can you? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. Well, and that's why I look, Bobri, to your experience. And, I, I, and I've interviewed many people over the years that came from Eastern Europe, occupied Soviet, East Germany, that kind of thing, and what they lived through. And they have stories to tell that are not storybook stories. I mean, their real lives are testament to why we believe freedom is uh, an ideal and, and, and better way to move forward uh, in life, that we can solve many of the so-called problems, not through centralized planning and tyranny, but through freedom and innovation. You see, truth is only one. All the rest of it is not true. And and that truth is is um, offered by by Ed Griffin, his books, his uh, 
his speeches, his uh, speaking, all the, all the whole nine yards, and, and all of it, pe people have to wake up. And in the process, many people pay the price. And Ed is no exception. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for stepping up to support uh, Ed, as well as uh, getting the Folium products to him to help him overcome a lot of challenges uh, and, and, and to be here uh, with us. If he says he may not be on the dance floor upright, but still he's, he's dancing. That mind is still working. The body is still functioning enough that we'll all be together in Des Moines, Iowa coming up in August, which I'm excited. You're going to be there, Bobby. Yeah, but there we live. All right. Well, let me bring someone else in someone I've interviewed recently on the Robert Scott Bell show, uh, Dr. Stephanie Christner and uh, ask you a question. I know that you work with the, the folium as well as uh, um, other things, and you have a Renew U uh, Tulsa, R-E-N-U Tulsa, um, uh, Y-O-U, I'm sorry, R-E-N-U-Y-O-U Tulsa.com. Uh, the intersection, the cross-section of coming, encountering G. Edward Griffin, Red Pill Expo, Red Pill University as well. How, how Have you had some interaction there that I should know about? Well, I um, have had some. <clears throat> I uh, was at the last two conferences, um, joining Bay Bree and talking about Folium PX and learning everything, all the truth that uh, Mr. Griffin has brought together through all these years. I was actually introduced to his work before and I didn't put it together with the Red Pill Expo. And you know, it's a slow awakening cycle over time. Um, mm -hmm. But to have that all come full circle was really fun for me. So what was your experience like going to, you said now two Red Pill Expos? Yes. Tell me a little bit about your experience at those that, uh, uh, you know, did you learn something new? Were you frightened by what happened there? Were you welcomed with open arms? What happened? Oh, absolutely welcomed. And I did, at, at the first one I attended, I actually learned a lot about um, light therapy and photobiomodulation. And that's transformed how I approach some things in practice now and introduced to the quantum energy and how um, really our bodies are, are quantum in nature as well, um, not just computer systems and things like that. So mm -hmm. that's been fabulously interesting and allowed me to um, really understand more fully how the human body actually was designed to work. Of course, I'd already looked at the cellular nature and the biochemistry and that, but the quantum side of it has been fabulously enlightening well you you like me were drawn into the healing arts and, and sciences uh yet i want to let everybody know it's not only the red pill was not only about that there's so much history that is true <laughs> in, in various endeavors and fields that are all brought together and ed again kudos to you for opening it wide because again, I am just overwhelmed and blown away in a positive and powerful way by the amount of knowledge that, that comes in and that is presented at the Red Pill Expo. And you know, I know some stuff about some stuff, but I love learning. And anybody that loves learning in any realm, it's not just about health and healing, although that is a fundamentally important part of what we do because so many people have been limited in their freedom because their bodies are lagging behind because they didn't know what they didn't know. I agree. I think that was an excellent point. Um, bringing in different fields, because if you focus on health, like I do, I, I don't know the law, the legal things behind it, um, the um, organizational government influences and things like that. And that really is a wonderful point that 
so many different fields are brought together, all fighting for the same thing. Ed, what, what kind of things that do you perceive you and your organization need in terms of support, participation, and, and you know, you could bring in the Red Bull University as well? Well, I think um, what we need is just a bigger reach. We know we have the right formula. We know we have the substance. Our goals, I think, are solid. Um, we have the strategies. We've got everything except the manpower. Actually, the manpower is out there, so our job is not to, let me back up. Our job, of course, is to enlighten and to spread the word and increase knowledge. But if we had to blow the whistle right now and say end of game and to score up all the numbers of people that were aware of what we're talking about, I think we would be surprised to find that we already have sufficient numbers. The only trouble is we don't know each other. We, we don't, we could be riding on a, a bus or in an airplane and, and a third of the people would be our brothers and sisters under the skin and we wouldn't even know it because most of them are afraid to bring up these topics in polite uh, discussions, you know? Yeah. So uh, our job right now to answer your question is to build this coalition I've been talking about, to bring people together who already know that something is wrong, who already have a pretty good idea what it is, but her not not only seeking more information to, to put all the dots together, not only that, but they're seeking they're seeking strength in numbers so that they can do something about it. So those are the two things we have to uh, we have to find each other, and then we have to offer some way for them to come together and work together, which is why we built the Red Pill University, and um, of course now we're in the in the early stages of putting together university campuses. We hope to have a campus of Red Pill University, which is not really a university in the brick and mortar sense. We don't sit around studying books and taking exams and trying to get a, a passing grade on our report card. Our university is the real kind of world university where we, we learn how to cope with the world and learn the real lessons of life. And then we decide we're going to we're going to improve it if we can. We're gonna we're gonna struggle against our enemies for for influence in shaping the culture of the future. That doesn't just happen. You have to, at least in today's world, it doesn't, because we have, on the other side of this battle, we have our enemies who are engineers, they're social engineers, political engineers, they're psychologists, they, they know what they're doing and they're highly professional. You can't just sit around and say, gee, isn't, isn't that interesting what they're doing? You have to get in the battle yourself. You have to put on your own armor. You have, to, you have to study human nature the same way they do. You have to meet them point by point on the battlefield. And the battlefield is in the organizations that we belong to, political parties, for example, church organizations, you know, on down the line. That's what my goal is, is to build that kind of a movement so that we can meet and then defeat our opposition. Beautiful. Now, uh, Dr. Stephanie Krisner, are you going to be able to be with us at the Red Pill Expo coming up in Des Moines? I imagine I will. I hope so. I sure hope so. Of great course. You again yes. as well. And Bobbery's already committed. So you guys, you want to meet these great people and you want to meet Ed? Come on, plan to be there again, August 12th and 13th. And we have it linked up in the show notes at robertscadbell.com. We also have a banner where you can uh, sign on to become part of it. I know you can watch online, but if you've heard me, I'm encouraging you to get out of your comfort zone a little bit yes. and find a way to meet us there in Des Moines because it is, it is transformative in a different way. 
when we can come together. And I'm not doubting that even being here is a wonderful experience with you guys electronically. I mean, the way we can communicate, it's been great. It's been opening eyes and ears and hearts for a while now. The same time they've attempted to suppress us and uh, we found a way to keep popping up elsewhere. Uh, we're not giving up. And that's uh, if they think we're giving up, they're they're wrong. Uh, we're going to keep coming together as long as we can and, and doing it this way. Uh, Bobri, is there any um, uh, new information that we look to, to learn from you today about the folium product? Because I, I, the more I study it, the more amazed I am about these botanical ingredients, how they've come together. And I keep, I could, for lack of a better way of saying, call them a Chernobyl-level antioxidant to counteract a lot of issues that we're all confronting on this planet right now. Well, before I go to folium products, uh, yeah. let me just comment on what you just said about bringing people to uh, Redfield University. Mm -hmm. I've been to that that expo since Spokane, in, in each and every one of them. And I have encouraged to come dozens of people to some of the shows. Now, I never mentioned that already. It doesn't have to be mentioned. But on the other hand, if everybody does the same thing, bring one or two people and those bring one or two each and all that, before we know, we can fill up the stadium. Mm -hmm. And that's what movement means. And this is a great moment because, first of all, you you find the truth, which is priceless, and then you can use it for a better life. That's my that's my take. Now, let me go to, to, to your question. We have a lot of news in, in volume products. Mm -hmm. We are in the process of proving four different products. One, two of them are proven. By the way, we are now in the process of writing up, translating the numbers and graphs and charts into uh, into uh, what do you call writing, mm -hmm. in the wordage, right? In wording. Mm -hmm. uh, two, one of them is for cholesterol, the other one for cardio, using folium products. And the other two are, one of them is um, uh, uh, diabetics and the other one is for autism. And some more to follow. And my my whole intention is not to fight big pharma. You cannot win, no matter what. But give to people another alternative to naturally heal, help their bodies to heal, heal itself. Yes. Ed Griffin expresses the best. It helps the body to heal itself. Right, Ed? I have to turn my microphone back on just to say yeah. yes, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, and yes. I saw the nod, but yes, that is the the key is to give the body the tools it needs to counteract the exposures that are in, inordinate right now. And I and I've discussed this for decades now in my own young life, uh, moving into whatever's called middle age. I don't know what that is anymore, but doing things I couldn't do in my young life. Uh, and to, to show people what's possible as I was inspired by someone who taught me homeopathy to, to be able to do the impossible and much of what, you know, Ed has brought out, including going back to the, you know, the world without cancer is to bring out to the world the fact that, you know, what we've been told about these diseases, they're not terminal unless we accept the diagnosis or prognosis by those who profit off of that terminality, so to speak. Uh, so to have people like you, Bob, Ray, to bring out and champion these things that are helping people, helping us, helping my mom, helping Ed and uh, Dr. Stephanie Christer to adopt it in her own practice to see it is indeed helping and integrate it in that way. That's how we are strengthening one another. And, you know, that's why I can't, when I talk about health freedom, uh, you know, we, we can't have freedom without our health. 
You know, we, we we're not able to stand for it, much less fight to get it back if we don't have health. That's why I think it's a fundamental part of the freedom issue if we don't have our health. So uh, that's why, you know, I have a bias toward that every time I present. I can't help it. But I think that everybody wants to be healthy for the most part. And we're trying to teach them how to do that. And Dr. Kristner, again, I thank you for all that you're doing. My pleasure. Um, it, it goes so deep, um, the deception and the loss of truth and many physicians can't are still in the spot that mm -hmm. they're receiving the most accurate information. The research has been tied together. And that was a huge point for me to really, when I started to understand what these these natural multifunctional phytonutrients do, as opposed to 10 different medications you take mm -hmm. that, that it, it, it targets so many different pathways at once that, it's preventative as well as reverses things, things that we've talked about before. And um, it stabilizes the mitochondria, which are the key to health. And I, there's not a drug on the market that can do that. Very good. Very good point there. So we oh, Robert, if I may comment, you yeah. just that you cannot have freedom without health, right? Mm -hmm. So try to have health without freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the same scenario. It comes at it from either end. You're right. And the suppression of these truths and these facts and these scientifically validated, what I would call realities of the natural world in our ability to recover that health. We know that there's a lot of obstacles to uh, having that access, especially with the last few years, what happened in terms of censorship. So once again, another reason why we need to come together at the Red Pill Expo and, and sign on and be part of the Red Pill University to bypass the censorship realm, if you will. And, and Ed, we've just got a few more minutes before we wrap up and I'm grateful for the conversation. And, and I'm grateful that both Stephanie and Bobby could join us a little bit too, because it, it's all connected, all that support that's needed for this. And I'm appreciative of all of you. Um, any other messages that we want to uh, you know, bring to the world as we're heading into the next Red Pill Expo in August in Des Moines? Well, you know, the old saying, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Uh, <laughs> My message is uh, very kissable, and that is, uh, let's go. <laughs> let's get to the Red Pill Expo. Let's make some new friends. Mm -hmm. Let's find out who is there that comes from our community. Let's put together a Red Pill University campus. Let's recruit, recruit 20 or 30 people in our community. Let's uh, regain control of the county board of supervisors let's regain control of the city council let's make sure that our sheriff understands what the heck is going on let's go mm -hmm. that's all that's my message i'll see you there at the expo yes and, and i want to do a quick shout out to my friend jonathan e mord who's running for the united states senate in virginia to defeat tim kane who was uh, connected to hillary clinton and this man is extraordinary as an attorney. He's beat back the FDA a world record eight times. No one's ever come close. And yet he realized even by winning, uh, the the FDA didn't care. It thumbed its nose at the, at the cases. And so he found out he had to really do more. And to go into the Senate with his knowledge base of the Constitution, to regain the powers of the legislature and overwhelm that which is not appropriate in the executive branch with the oligarchy, FDA, FTC, et cetera, and limiting freedom, of freedom of speech, et cetera, we could have a real champion for freedom and that will only strengthen the few that are, that are already there that may, may not have enough knowledge like he does to bring in there. So everybody check out emord4va.com just as a side, because it fits in with this message. And I, and this is not about Republican or Democrat. I, I really like what Bobby Kennedy is doing. He's fascinating as a, as a candidate as well. 
I, who knows if he could win? Ron Paul didn't win, but he opened up hearts and minds and really lit a fire under a lot of this freedom and this liberty message. So it, it's inclusive of all of this, that we can discuss this. And I'm appreciative of Ed, you know, the opportunity to come together at the Red Pill Expo, much less occasionally when you're on this show and all that you're doing. And uh, just excites me to no end, makes me smile. And I love that when people, you know, write in and say, oh, thank you for having Ed on the show. We love Ed. It's yeah. just, it, it makes makes me feel better about what I'm doing too. Well, that's good. Makes me feel good to hear you say that. We all want to be loved. That's uh, for sure. Listen, can I put the... Uh, tell you what the uh, website is for Red yes, Pill Expo. Please do. It's really complicated. You will never remember it. It's uh, redpillexpo.org. Redpillexpo.org. And we do have it linked yeah. up in the show notes. And there's yeah. a banner every day at robertscoutbell.com. And we also have links to Bobbery and Folium. If you go to foliumpx.com, you can use the code RSB10 to get a discount. And I'm sure he'll offer discounts at the Red Pill Expo. So if you're there and you want to get some of the product, uh, you, I know you'll want to. And again, Bobby, thank you for supporting uh, Red Red Pill Expo and Ed Griffin and more. And and Stephanie as well, thank you for being here and sharing a little bit of your message yeah. and your experience at the Red Pill Expo. My honor. And by the way, Robert, I yes. want to press, I want to take this um, uh, advantage of this opportunity. Thank Dr. Kristen for her contribution to to explaining scientifically how the volume PX works, or volume products. She's dynamite, she's knowledgeable, she's smart, she's intelligent, and she knows what she's doing, believe me. And she's way better looking than all three of us put together. <laughs> and, 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 and credit is given what he's doing. Yeah, that's for sure. That's and for and sure. You know, we, we interviewed Dr. Kristner a while back. You can see in the archives the Robert Scott Bell Show, and we'll do more as well as we move forward here. So thank you, all three of you, for, for, for being awesome. And uh, thank you. And we're all gearing up for the next Red Pill Expo, August uh, 12th and 13th, Des Moines, Iowa, redpillexpo.org. Thank you once again. And I will remind you that the power to heal is yours. 